Good morning. We are um, in the book of Jonah, and we're on page two, uh, 928. 928. It's quite tricky to find, I find, Jonah. Um, and we're reading Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittel. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Good morning online. I'm Joss. I'm privileged to be part of the preaching team here at St. Jude's, and it's great to be with you this morning. Let's just uh, open with a short prayer. Father, we pray that you would uh, open our hearts, not to hear me, but to hear you, and speak into our hearts to reveal your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, week three of Jonah, the first 10 verses, I'm going to be concentrating on verses 7 to 10. But Helen so wonderfully read the story so far and up to verse 10. There was Jonah, and Neil reminded us uh, in the introduction that Jonah was a real person. The Bible talks about him in one of its history books, Two Kings. He was an anointed prophet of God who worked for his king, King Jeroboam II. Uh, 
So he knew God. Or he thought he knew God. Because here he was trying to run away from God. Can you run away from God? He thought you could. Got on a ship. A storm. A really bad storm that frightened the wet side of the sailors. Jonah was asleep. He had to be woken up. And the sailors knew. They cast lots. God works in wonderful ways. How many of you think that God works through gambling and lots? He, he did this time because it showed him, it showed him, this is the person you need to speak with. And here they are asking questions. Asking questions. Next slide, please. And uh, here's what they said. They wanted to know. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What's your country? From what people are you? These are identity questions. Don't think about it. Just for five seconds, think of someone you were introduced to, a stranger, they asked you these questions. What would you say? What would you say? Forget about the fact it's a storm. What would you say? Because at face value, this tells someone a little bit about your identity. So if someone asked me these questions, here's kind of how I would answer. It mightn't be how you would answer, but hey, uh, I'm Joss McCabe. Uh, I'm, I'm British. I'm not English. Okay. I'm from Northern Ireland. Uh, hey, I... I live in Portsmouth. And that sort of tells somebody a little bit about me. If the answer, what, what do you do? What, what was your purpose? I, I'm retired, but the profession I retired from makes the pride boast. Once a Marine, always a Marine. So I was a Royal Marine for nearly 33 years. Uh, that's it. Uh, an identity, you know, tells people about us a little bit. Uh, what you do, a little bit about your purpose, maybe gives you a little bit of significance. Where do you come from? The place where you belong, perhaps the place you love. And what race? Your community. What's your community? I uh, haven't said anything about God in any of this, but an identity for most people gives us a sense of belonging, an acceptance, some sort of significance, a sense of security. Identity is much in the news these days in lots of different ways, and it challenges people as they try and find their selves, their true selves. You know, identity and the context can change. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, I came to Portsmouth 22 years ago. I came here because of work. That was the first order of why I came to Portsmouth. I had to work because I had to provide for my family. Uh, that was my job. I, I didn't want to come to Portsmouth. I'd been to Portsmouth before. I didn't like Portsmouth. I, that's the truth. You know, 
Ah, I wanted to go to Devon. Much nicer, much nicer. Uh, I've stayed 22 years, so that says something. But during those 22 years, uh, things changed. Uh, my family were going through secondary education, and family then took precedence over job. Uh, and also, there was another order here in my identity that had always been there, but more explicitly, God. God had a say in where I was going to be, and it was going to be here in Portsmouth. You know, the sailors, when they asked these questions of Jonah, uh, they, in their day, were trying to find out which God he worshipped. Because, you see, we mightn't be so explicit about it when we talk to a stranger today. Many of people, maybe some of you think, who God is, which God you worship, doesn't really matter. But to the sailors in their day, that was a fundamental part of who they were and who Jonah was. They wanted to find out what God he worshipped so they could maybe make some kind of sacrifice to stop this storm that was threatening their lives. Who are you? Is God part of it? They wanted to understand which God had been angered so they knew what to do. In their day, every group Every race, every nation had their own God. Now, maybe we've got above that. Uh, if you believe in God, we'll believe in the one God. Uh, but even for Christians, you know, there are, there are struggles sometimes because maybe there are other things, even subconsciously, that come before the true God. And to answer the question, who are you? you need to be sure of whose you are. What have you given yourself to? A, it might be to Christ, but perhaps, I wonder, has uh, ambition, career, interfered in any way? Maybe you don't realize it. I wonder, has a pursuit of the body beautiful interfered in any way. You know, hey, our television screens are full of, you know, how to look beautiful, what it means to be handsome, how to be attractive, how to be famous, how to be significant. And, you know, and that's an issue for Christian people as well as people who don't acknowledge Christ. It can be a struggle. Identity and significance is a real issue. And whose you are matters. You see, we're made in God's image. And the Bible tells us that. And you know, who we worship, what we worship, has a real impact in who we are, in what we might be like. Hey, even church communities have chased after things that have been wrong and affected 
whole cultures. Slavery, classic example. Some aspects of the Church of England bought into slavery. Hey, where did that come before Christ? On an individual basis, uh, hey, do you pay VAT when you get a builder to come and work? Do I? Hey, what's more important? Uh, what do you watch on television? I'm not going to tell you what to watch and what not to watch, but, but all those things impinge on who we are. And it makes a difference. And you can see it in the world. The God of power. How many chase after power? Not just leaders, but managers, teachers, vicars, pastors. They want to be in charge and to be seen to be in charge. Hey, I do sometimes. Hey. And we forget, we forget that what we sang in that wonderful Irish hymn, part of my identity, 1,200 years old, first in my heart. What's first in our heart? And that's a daily struggle. That is a daily struggle for most people. And it, it's a subconscious struggle. It's a spiritual struggle, but it's real. You know, anything that we give our allegiance to, that are a priority to, that isn't God, becomes a religious object. It becomes a God. Maybe at the extreme, even what you might think becomes your salvation. But it's not. It's not. There's only one true God. John Calvin, one of the great founders of the Reformation, knocked the nail right in the head when he said this, the human heart is a perpetual idol factory. And it's a daily struggle. It is. Now, back to Jonah. And Jonah, you know, at a most fundamental level, this anointed prophet of God didn't really know who he was. He didn't. Because he was running away from God. And he was running away because God had sent him to preach God's word in Nineveh. And these Ninevites, who were a cruel, greedy, avaricious empire of the most vile kind. Think Islamic State Plus. That was Assyria. That was Nineveh. But you know, Adam said, God loved them enough to want them to give up their wrongdoing and turn to him. But Jonah didn't think hey, God couldn't love Nineveh. He couldn't love anybody but Israel because Israel was God's people. His God was made in Jonah's image, a small God, not a God of love who wanted to bring everybody into a relationship with him. And Jonah answers when the sailors asked him those questions. He says, uh, hey, I am an Israelite. And then he says, I serve the God of heaven and earth, the Lord. But his first answer is, I am an Israelite, a Hebrew. A Hebrew. 
His nation was more important to him than God was. And as Christians, we need to be very careful. We don't have anything before God. We don't want to have a shallow spiritual identity. What's my life based on? Is it God through Christ or is it based on my own strength and the world's power, approval, wealth, and comfort? Neil mentioned last week about two of the great parables of Jesus, Good Samaritan, Prodigal Son. Jesus told another story. I wonder if you remember the story about the wise and foolish builders. And in the book of Luke, the gospel, it actually says when Jesus talked about the wise builder, the wise builder had to dig deep to build the foundation on the rock. We need to dig deep to build our foundation on Christ the rock. Not shallow, dig deep. That's hard and it's costly, but that's what we've got to do. You know, uh, if we have a shallow spiritual identity, it can result in various things. Next one, please. And uh, it can blind us. Jonah was self-blinded. He thought he knew God. He knew him in part. He didn't really. Jonah was bigoted. No one else could know God's love except the people of Israel. He was arrogant. You know, when the captain tried to wake him up, there's no record of Jonah speaking to him. It's only when the sailors really shook him and said, hey, come on, answer these questions. Then he begins to engage. But it's probably very reluctantly. These are pagans. Hey, these are pagans. He has a shallow spiritual identity. He's self-blinded. Shallow spiritual identity can make us hostile to others. Jonah was hostile to the Ninevites, to others. He couldn't see God's love extended beyond. He couldn't. And God was beginning to put him into a place that he could. Jonah othered, othered other people. Okay, othering. Do you know, in the New Testament, it talks about Peter. Peter, similar in some ways to Jonah, Peter very privileged, a friend of Jesus, saw some of the greatest miracles, was there at the transfiguration. And yet, and yet, Peter relied on his own strength. Remember when he said to Jesus, even if all others desert you, I won't. Implicitly, he was saying, I'm better than the others. I'm going to stay. But when push came to shove, he didn't. Peter was trusting in his strength. Peter was trusting in his abilities, not in Christ's, not in Christ's. It's what Peter could do for Jesus. He'd forgotten it's what Jesus had done and would continue to do for Peter. Do you know, often ministry is great. It's what we do for God. You know, God cares about what we do for him. But I think it's what God does in us 
not what God does through us that he really wants to do. He wants to change us. Othering, exclusion, and hey, watch the news, read the newspapers, and see if you qualify. I do, you know, when you see some news items, but it's not just like them. Tut, tut. They're not like us. We wouldn't do that. We're better. It'll happen. I guarantee it. You know, that extends to the Christian community. And Adam's talked about God's love. We sang of it. God's love is for everybody. A church, in terms of this building, in terms of a community of believers, should welcome everyone, regardless of race, regardless of sexuality, regardless of uh, where they're coming from. You know, next please, Nigel. The Gospel of John, the great chapter one, the Christmas Gospel, verse 14 says this, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And we need to show grace, but we need to preach truth. You see, God welcomes everybody. He welcomed me, but he didn't leave me where I was. He changed me. And he is continuing to change me because I'm not there yet. And I need changing, believe me. So people, when they come in, need to be loved and they need to be challenged with God's truth. And that is hard. That makes me, it will make you, it will make them uncomfortable at times. It will. Because God wants to change us and we need to be changed. You know, Jesus said all of this much better than I, or even if I may be, be so bold, the vicars, or even the Archbishop of Canterbury and the Pope could say. And this is what Jesus said are the most important things. Next, please, Nigel. The two greatest commandments. Hey, you can read them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your strength, your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's the bad news. Neither I nor you have a cat's chance of living that out. You don't. You will fail. But God loves us. That's why he sent Jesus. That is the great hope. That is the great hope. We can't do it. Jesus can in us. The band are going to come and sing in a minute. And they're going to sing, not I, but Christ in me. Just spend a moment thinking. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Christ. He should be and only he, the first in our heart, our rock, and the foundation of our identity. Thank you. Will you stand with me? We'll just pause for a moment to think about that, to think about what it is that forms our identity and the ways in which we can grow closer to knowing Jesus' call on our lives to be like